Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Welcome, everybody. Hey, everybody. Podcast day. Yay. That was better than last time. Thanks, you. Uh, yeah. Thanks, you. <laughs> last time she was like, yay. Yay. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Well, oh, welcome man. back to the greatest mental health podcast on your radio dial. And if you <laughs> like some of the things that you see here, give us a review. It really helps to get it out to the algorithms and as an extra incentive just for you this month, listeners, if you give a five star <laughs> review and send it over, uh, we're going to put your name in drawing for a T-shirt. We're going to figure out where you live and Fran is going to come deliver, <laughs> throw your T-shirt at you or uh Bust it through your picture window with our with our uh, t-shirt gun that we got. So I would love a t-shirt gun. I would too. Oh Who God, I, would, I know. Where yeah. do you get those things? No, you would not use it appropriately. That would scare me. So well, neither yeah. would Brody. So oh, neither no. one of you is allowed a, a t-shirt gun. I'd put a softball in there first thing. Oh like, yeah, see? I know it. Somebody's a gonna snowball. Somebody's yeah. gonna freaking awesome. So my daughter is born October twenty fourth. So she struggles to find things for her birthday uh, birthday party themes that are not Halloween based. Right. Yeah. So we've carved pumpkins, we've painted pumpkins. And then, uh, so she's already trying to figure it out. She goes, what if I said, we could ask your, our buddy Lucas, can, can we build a pumpkin chucker? Right. And she's oh, like, geez. Oh, like a catapult. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> what if we did that? I mean, I think we should just do it as a hobby anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, that's, yeah. And do you do the catapult or the trebuchet? Well, I think you do the trebuchet just, well, I know it's I, tough. I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a big decision. Really, yeah. what I want to do is get an old propane tank and make a giant air, oh, like uh, uh, what are they called? The like a potato gun, right? Oh, giant, giant potato gun, but with uh, a pumpkin. Yeah, you could shoot it like a quarter mile. It's freaking awesome. That would be kind of. Awesome. I'm so sorry, see, everybody. Don't do anything either of these two have talked about. I, see, Fran, you're on my wavelength. I we're love gonna, that we're going to talk shit. in August. And I bet your husband would be super crafty to be able to like weld shit. He, and oh, do yeah. This. yeah. Totally and those super soaker guns. <laughs> yeah, I remember the super soakers. Oh, God, I love those. Yeah. I used to get my nieces and nephews and just drench them. We did Nerf guns for Christmas. And so the kids got like normal ones. And then I come out of the bedroom with say hello to my little friend. It's <laughs> oh. like the big, like, hey, you got to put batteries in it type <laughs> of Nerf the gun. One that yeah. Knocks you over. <laughs> it's like a batty machine. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Softball thrower. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. Your kids learned to oh. army crawl before they learned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Nerf guns. Oh, you guys. We have a guest today. Yay! I'm so excited. So I'd like to give a special welcome. I don't know why I'm looking at that. I'd like to give a special welcome to Miss Jamie Milbrandt. Um, you may remember her from Alcohol 101 back in the day. If not, go listen to that one because it was a good one. It was a good one. She is a certified addiction counselor at the Avera Addiction Care Center here in Aberdeen. And she's just kind of a rock star at what she does too. So thanks for joining us today, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm yes. very excited. We are too, because we want to talk drugs. Yes. <laughs> Let me get my notebook out. Right. Yep, start taking notes. <laughs> so what's been going on in your neck of the woods? Um, well, I mean, we are busy as always. Like it is a never ending unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, when we talked about alcohol back a year or so ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
definitely alcohol continues to be our primary. I okay. think we will always have that. Um, we are just a very alcohol saturated society. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, being in the Midwest, a lot of the stuff that's happening kind of in that coastal region hasn't quite crept here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by far, when we look at substances in our area, um, our next to alcohol biggest thing continues to be methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nasty. It is. Yeah. I mean, so, it just wreaks havoc. It does. Um, and actually, majority of the clients that I work with, because I just work with our problem solving court in our community, so our drug court, mm-hmm. um, majority of them, their primary substance is meth. How, what is, what does the trend look like? Um, just informally, you don't have mm-hmm. to like spot off stats, but do you feel like you're seeing more of it than five years ago, less of it than five years ago, or about the same or 10 years ago? I feel like it's been pretty steady at least the last few years. Okay. Um, we've had pretty consistent use. Um, it kind of, I mean. <laughs> okay, Sorry. listener, Brody just popped Jamie's God. microphone out of the stand. I was trying to help. <laughs> she gave herself, he gave her a heart attack. Yeah. Trying to assault her. I apologize. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, by the way, you're the first ever guest to be assaulted. So, right. yeah, yes, free Thank t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yes, I do need a t-shirt. So she is wearing the shrink wrap swag today. So, mm-hmm. yes, from my husband. So, super <laughs> fan. Um, but no, I mean it's stayed pretty steady. We definitely have some ups and downs that mm-hmm. come. Um, you know, similar to even with alcohol, like we saw that period where COVID. Definitely mm-hmm. kind of increase some things for a while. Um, when we isolate like that, there's mm-hmm. definitely going to be some trends, I think, that will come from that. Um, statistically, we're going to, I think, struggle to see some of those stats right away just because everybody was so isolated. And so I think we're going to sure. have to kind of weigh some of that out okay. of seeing what it's going to look like. But for us, treatment-wise, um, it continues to be a steady. Um, in fact... I got to think now is right after I came back from maternity leave. So three-ish years now, roughly, um, we were actually asked to put um, or partner with the state to have an intensive meth treatment program up Mm. in our area um, because we didn't have one here. I mean, you Mm -hmm. had like Sioux Falls, Rapid City, Mitchell um, for those. And so because of the prevalence that we are seeing up in this area of being able to put a long-term, so when we look at like an intensive methamphetamine treatment, you're mm-hmm. looking at like a four month program. Oh, wow. So instead of your typical 28 day, right. um, 45 day type program there mm-hmm. with us for four months. Is that all inpatient or is it like inpatient and then partial? It can be either. Oh, okay. um, sometimes they'll stay with us the entire four months, especially if they're not from this area. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're from here, um, we do definitely have options to step them down. Um, and so they might stay with us for you know, two to three months. And then that last portion of it stepped down. Um, Cause part of that re when they're in that program, we also try to have them like get a job mm-hmm. um, while they're in that program. So they're working and they're being in the community and those kind of things, but they have kind of that safety net to fall back on of yeah. coming back to the treatment center and being able to stay there and continue to work on that skill building. And um, cause it definitely shows the longer that somebody, especially a stimulant user mm-hmm. can have treatment that, um, the higher chance that they will have of being able to stay abstinent from it. So you guys do have one of those programs in place now? Yes. Yep. Cool. So still new. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had it for a couple of years now, but um, it definitely has, we've seen a lot of good progress from it. 
That's phenomenal. So what is like the average range of someone that becomes addicted to meth? And also, I think there's still like misconceptions about who gets addicted to meth. Like they have to be a certain socioeconomic status or that kind of thing. What can you say about that? Um, that it, anybody can be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't take a certain type. So, um, you know, a lot of times we see it's continuing to start earlier and earlier. Um, like I've had adolescents that I've worked with before that are starting to use meth. Um, a lot of times in that range, we see it being, in a sense, promoted, especially to young women, that it's a way to lose weight. Mm. Um, and so we have all those wonderful body issues going on anyway in high school mm-hmm. and then giving them some sort of quick fix of like, hey, this will help you drop weight. But they um, don't mention that you also lose your teeth yeah, and yeah. smell. Okay. Or get addicted to it. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Those well, I was just thinking like if you're going to improve your physical appearance, Correct. you're not getting, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I would say majority of the people that like I currently work with, um, they would range, we have some in their early 20s up to mid 40s um, is the primary. Um, but a lot of what we see is that mid 20s to mid 30 range that we're seeing in a lot of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and majority of the time, meth might be their primary right now, but they've typically had other substance use that's gone along. It's not just um, maybe it was that in their youth, alcohol was primary and then switched over to meth mm-hmm. or um, that they've been using like marijuana consistently through that time frame, those kind of things. So. I remember being at a presentation one time where you were speaking and you talked about, I'll never forget it as long as I live, recreational meth use. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, those two don't go together. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, we had. I'd well, say. it has to be fun or nobody would do it. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Oh, but uh, it, it has never struck me as one of those things that you can do occasionally. Casual methods. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we, I don't know, had a string of clients for a while that it was. It was considered like, we'll just use it casually. Alcohol was their primary, mm-hmm. um, but they would get together. <laughs> just with, for an extra bump. Correct. <laughs> So um, you've got to mix your uppers and downers. That's mm-hmm. where you get the real. Oh, that they would just casually use it, you know, when it was around or and majority of the time when they were drinking. And was that an ignorance thing? Like they just didn't understand how fully addicting meth can be? Or was it just a, it's not going to happen to me? I think it's more the latter. Okay. Yeah. That like that happens to other people. It's not going to happen to us. Okay. So And there's definitely dangers associated when you're mixing you know, that a stimulant in mm-hmm. with something like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very common for people who are drinking that they'll use meth so that they can keep drinking, like keep that party going. Um, and then you're definitely at higher risk for, um, you know, alcohol overdose and those mm-hmm. kind of things. So, um, but that's the primary reason of they wow. want to keep partying and they want to keep that going and keep the energy. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nobody just drinks a Celsius anymore, do they? No. Yeah. No. We're in a Lani. <laughs> Or whatever it is you sell uh, at the market. What, a Celsius? Yeah. yeah. What are you the, about? I don't well, know. What is that? Oh, those are energy drinks. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now that I don't think of that really as an energy drink. I think more of, you know what I mean? I think of like. Like Red Bull? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like Red Bull would be, yeah. Red yeah. Bull is definitely like in the early 2000s. But now yeah. they do like Alani and Monster. Monster, I think, Monster. is even going out a little bit mm-hmm. compared yeah. to some yeah. of the newer ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. But. 
Um, but like, we're no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do meth. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to casually do it. Yeah, so. Chuck Norris, my ass. Get the meth out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think. I mean, that is going to be one of our continued. Even talking with law enforcement, um, that is what they will say is continuing to be the mm-hmm. primary issue in our area. Is it a is it a cost factor where it's just accessible and affordable compared to other things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, there was a gentleman one time that I had spoke to that talked about how he started using meth because it was cheaper to get than his Adderall prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he really used it for his ADHD in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for a lot of people who do have ADHD, when they use meth, it does give them that calming effect or they yeah. feel like they can actually get something done and feel mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him, that's how he kind of got introduced to it because it was well, cheaper than his prescription. And chemical mm-hmm. structure wise, mm-hmm. they're not that far apart, no. but the differences are important. Mm-hmm. Right. Very much so. Oh, um, yeah. Cause like Adderall is an amphetamine based yep. medication. So, yeah. Um, but yes, I think, like I said, it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter like what socioeconomical status you are, those kind of things. It's, you know, it's around yeah, you know, for sure. Oh, how, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. How successful is treatment? That's a really loaded question, you know, but I mean, like, I think there was a time even like 20 years ago when people would have said, oh, once you're addicted to meth, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're inpatient the rest of your life, you're always going to. Um, I don't think it's like that anymore. I, I think we've gotten better, mm-hmm. in my opinion, but I'd love yeah. to hear what you have to say. I mean, there's still statistics, you know, even nationwide that about the success of treatment and people a lot of times will say like it doesn't look glowing, like it's mm-hmm. not like a 100 percent success rate. But um, what is and exactly. Yeah. And a lot of it is going to take work. I mean, you and you look at addiction, period. Addiction is a disease. And mm-hmm. so it's not that, like I tell my clients all the time, I wish that I could just thump them on the head and be like, right. you are now cured. Right. See you later. Yeah. Like, and, but that's not the case. Mm-mm. And so it is going to take, you know, for a lot of people, it might take multiple treatments um, to get them in that position. But it is a lot of times, you know, even within, like drug court, for instance, we have a lot, they do a lot of programming. Mm-hmm. So they may do, you know, an inpatient or residential treatment, and then they're going to step down into an outpatient program, you know, in conjunction with mental health counseling and maybe MRT mm-hmm. or like a DBT class. They're going to do aftercare services. I mean, it is a gamut of stuff that they're going to do for 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. What's MRT and DBT oh. for our listeners? Do you want to give that one? Well, DBT, I will go with. <laughs> yes. That is dialectical behavior therapy. Our yep. listeners have heard that, heard us talk about yep. it in other mm-hmm. other yeah. episodes. So mm-hmm. when we look at MRT, um, MRT is looking like it's moral. What's it stand for? I know moral. Okay. Oh, reasoning. Sorry, sorry, saying, yes. Moral reasoning therapy. Therapy. Okay. Or, yeah. So, um, and that's primarily done. My counterpart, Jenny, does that over at Northeastern. Okay. But a lot of times just looking again at their behaviors and those yep. kind of things. So. Yeah. I just remember somebody telling me years ago um, who was struggling with meth addiction. And he said, I want you to imagine the best day of your life. So I'm like, okay. You know, of course, I'm a mom. So I'm like, oh, the birth of my children. And he <laughs> goes, now take it times a thousand. Mm-hmm. And that's meth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That'd be oh. rough. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll have clients that will talk about like I, you know, 
say those statements of I'm never going to use meth again. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I caution them in that of saying, don't use the word never, Mm -hmm. but you can say for today, I'm not going to use meth Yeah, Um, because you don't know what that future is going to bring and you don't know what's going to come up. But um, a lot of them will talk about that. I, they can sit and list off all the bad things that meth has caused for them, but there was also a lot of good Mm -hmm. and otherwise they wouldn't have kept doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, I heard people say like my house was never cleaner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Could get stuff done. Fran, you don't need it. (laughs) You sounded sounded a little excited there. I was just going to say Fran. I mean, maybe we take this to the next level. man. (laughs) (laughs) Or you get a husband like Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, that's a lot of it is they Mm -hmm. feel very productive or they feel like, you know, that they can, be there for their kids, you know, all these things. And then when they can separate themselves and when they're sober, they're like, yes, I may have been there. The Mm -hmm. quantity may have been there. My house was clean, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But the quality of those relationships and the quality of my behaviors and those types of things wasn't there. And I think when you do the cost benefit analysis, so yeah, there were some benefits, but what were the costs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, a lot of them having, to really kind of weigh that out for themselves. And Mm -hmm. it's that philosophy of someone hitting a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that success piece is really going to be dependent on that person and, you know, what they're going to do for their long term. It's in my sense, no different than a patient who's diabetic. Mm -hmm. Like they have choice in what they're going to do and they have choice of, you know, are they going to change their diet and um, start to maybe exercise a little bit, do their medications like they're supposed to follow up with their doctor. Mm -hmm. And that same piece comes into it when we look at addiction, like there's the disease aspect, but there's choice still. Mm -hmm. And so being able to position themselves to have that best piece there, are they going to meetings? Are they finding recovery support groups? You know, are they changing their people, places, and things? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge one for us. If you are surrounding yourself with substances on a regular basis, eventually you're going to give in. Um, so making sure that you're changing their surroundings and being able to put those boundaries in place. And mm-hmm. um, and it's not as simple as just telling somebody, like, change your people, places, and things. Right. Because um, they are mm-hmm. your people, your places, and your things. Yeah. yeah. And, and so probably have been for a while. A long time. Um, and they're the ones who they feel like get them the most. And mm-hmm. so being able to teach them and really having them look at like, you know, what aspects of those people were good. I'm not saying that the person is bad, mm-hmm. um, but there's pieces within that. And if they can't respect your sobriety and where you're positioning yourself, then maybe you need to love them from a distance. Mm-hmm. And that they can't right now be that primary support group for you. This is why you're so good at what you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, I try. Mm-hmm. No, you don't try. You do. <laughs> so the support group would is that NA? Is that what someone around here goes to? Narcotics Anonymous or what is it? Um, so our primary round here, we either have Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. We do also have um, Gambling Anonymous support mm-hmm. groups, um, and then we have some Al-Anon groups. Um, I also have some of my clients doing online. Mm-hmm. So people who might not so. NA, um, A and GA all go with the 12 steps mm-hmm. and following kind of that philosophy in there. Um, not everybody jives with the 12 steps. And so some of my clients also will do online meetings. And so one of them that um, I really like that they do is called Smart Recovery. Mm-hmm. So Smart Recovery is a lot more cognitive based. And so 
part of why I like smart recovery is because it jives with a lot of stuff that I do because I do a lot of cognitive based stuff and um, really looking at, again, that thinking process and being able to change that and looking at that choice piece. Another um, newer to us, it is not newer general, but life ring mm-hmm. is another new one that um, I had a couple of my clients like pilot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I attended one of life rings friends and family meeting. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, I have a couple clients that are trying it and love it. Um, and those formats are typically done in like a Zoom format. Mm-hmm. A big part of why people like it is because there's not only the meeting being run in a Zoom format, but there's the chat on the side. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to have, in a sense, crosstalk that you want to maybe have at, you know, an A or NA meeting um, and being able to have that dialogue and um, like, one of my clients has made really good connections with a gal in Wisconsin. And now mm-hmm. they, they met through Life Ring and have that continued conversation even outside of there. Um, and then we also, in our community, we have Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Celebrate Recovery is also another um, good one for a lot of our clients because there's kind of um, like a church is the wrong word, like a worship type. Yeah, um, it's very super Jesus-y. It is. Yeah. Yep. And beforehand, and then they break up into small groups and mm-hmm. a lot of People like that because when they break up into groups, small groups, it's also by gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just gives different dynamics, too. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, it, I always like to gauge where their comfort level is with spirituality. Mm-hmm. you know. And so if that is a piece that's missing, it is such a beautiful place to go. Yes. But if they're like, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus, then I'm like, okay, here's our other options. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Right. And it has to fit the person's mm-hmm. philosophy and who they are. Let's talk a little bit more about Al-Anon because... Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask me, does that have to be connected to someone who is in love with somebody or raising somebody with drug alcohol issues? Can it be about codependency? Like, what is it? Um, so, yeah, Al-Anon is for friends and family um, of people who have addiction issues. But the codependency piece is a large part of that, too. And um, I actually even have some of my former clients have gone to it because like they may have their own addiction issues or have mm-hmm. had their own addiction issues, but they have siblings. Mm. And so, you know, they might go to their regular NA meetings and then also go to Al-Anon mm. um, for that support piece. Similar setup, like they have the 12 steps that they look at and they also have sponsors or people that they work with and they mm-hmm. connect with that can help them through that time frame, um, so that people don't feel so alone because mm-hmm. it can be mm-hmm. definitely very isolating um, when you have a loved one that is going through addiction. Mm-hmm. And so having that space where they can go in and that they can share with other people of saying, man, this week has been tough mm-hmm. and people that are going to get it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think there's online versions available for that as there well. There is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, I mean, I think that was one of the best things that COVID did teach everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, technology has been there. Yeah. But forced everybody maybe should be yeah. the word of changing our mindset a little bit that, you know, these online communities can be a really great thing. Mm-hmm. And so even now, as we've had patients that have gotten sick, I mean, COVID influenced all those wonderful things. Um, we've been like, well, you can still come to group because we right. can get you in on WebEx. Yeah. <laughs> so right. like, um, yeah. and or that piece of they can still attend their online meetings because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different communities for AA and NA even online. And so it may not be their local, mm-hmm. you know, community, but they can still find a meeting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's what I like about that online community piece. 
there's even one of the smart recovery that one of my gentlemen does is actually run by a guy in Australia. Cool. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, and so because of his work schedule, he primarily works overnights. And so he keeps that schedule. Mm-hmm. And so he does a meeting at like three in the morning, our time. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect there. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's run by this guy in Australia. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think Hazleton in Minnesota has actually gone to a lot of online mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's been able to reach a lot more people. Yeah. And especially in our rural area, yes. having that ability mm-hmm. that. A lot of times we need to go where they're at and technology has provided that. Well, and what I love about the online meetings is, you know, if you're from Podunk, South Dakota, Mm -hmm. there might not be, you know, you might have to drive 45, 50, 75 miles Mm -hmm. to attend a meeting. And that's not always feasible for a multitude of reasons. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we're going to continue to see other substances that are going to continue to come up. So... Um, like I know some of the things you guys wanted to even kind of hit on was mm-hmm. different ones that in a sense are legal. Um, but so like Kratom is one of those, mm-hmm. for instance, um, and Kratom and Delta 8 are probably the more buzzword ones that have been going on lately um, because you can go to any gas station mm-hmm. or smoke shop or those kind of things and you're going to find them there. Um you do have to, you know, with both of those substances, you have to be over 21 um, to purchase those. But when we look at something like kratom, so kratom is a plant-based material. Um, a lot of people use it to help with either um, withdrawal from opiates. Um, that's probably the most common when I've had clients that have used it. Um, but also to, in general, just help with, like, pain or fatigue or mm-hmm. just to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um but it's, you know, a derivative from a plant. So people have that philosophy of like, oh, it's a plant. It's, it's natural. natural. It's, safe. it's fine. Yep. So yeah. I always tell people, yeah. uh, opium comes from poppy seeds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cocaine <laughs> comes from the coca plant. Yeah. 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 It's all but natural. It's yeah. right. So, um, but majority of the time it's, you know, kratom can be taken in capsules or um, some will brew it as a tea. That's what I was going to ask mm-hmm. you. I've heard it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or even... It's like in an extract almost, like a concentrated. So, yeah, mixing it in with mm-hmm. yeah, different beverages, those kind of things. Are you looking at my apothecary? So, I was. Yeah, I was. Okay. Over there. So <laughs> it's called Take the Edge Off. It's <laughs> for anxiety. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what's yeah. in it. Let's see. Um, I have Skullcap, Passion Flower. I have Newt. Linden Leaf and Ostraw Leaf. And then it also has Lemon Peel, Nectarine, and Mulberry and Pear. Mm. So it's, yummy. it's all natural, mm-hmm. um, right? I make fun of people it's and then I say that. Based. I do. I mean, but I always tell people you have to be careful too. Like um, mm-hmm. I do caution all natural, but I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha root because yeah. um, getting it from a decent source. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, okoboji root? What? Ashwagandha. Kumbaya root? It's what, very calming. What is, what you can get it at Target. It's, it's just a, it's a plant found in Eastern India and uh, it's very calming. And you don't get stoned, you don't get tired, you don't fall asleep at your desk, um, but it'll just kind of like, it's like if you have a rough nail, it'll just kind of file the roughness out, smooth it out a little bit. Oboshanat and cotton root. I knew there was one more. <laughs> and this is what I deal with. <laughs> this is why I here. Oh my God. But, okay. But that being said, yeah. um, I've also, um, I've been dabbling in a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently got a shipment from a company called Aplos, okay. and it's one of those alcohol alternative 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so the one I got was Calm, and it has ashwagandha root. I can't remember, there's a couple other things, but I really like it. You mix just like two ounces. I mix it with um, grapefruit bubbly, mm-hmm. and it's very calming, and, and then I go to bed. So I don't, are you seeing people? I mean, there's so many companies out there like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's even, you know, like with, um, when, with CBD, mm-hmm. I think that's been that huge piece. So um, when we look at like CBD, for instance, CBD, I think part of the reason that it became, I mean, it's not, it's always been around, mm-hmm. but um, in 2018, when the farm bill passed, um, hemp was listed underneath there as now being legal. And so mm-hmm. CBD is a derivative from the hemp plant. So mm-hmm. you have, you know, your marijuana plant and you have your hemp plant. So they both are um, forms of cannabis. Yep. But when you look at it from that derivative from the hemp side of things, CBD um, has to have below a 0.3% of THC in it. So mm-hmm. THC being the portion that gets you high in marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so CBD does have a lot of really good effects to it. And people yeah. have really looked at, you know, it helping, whether it's helping with pain or helping with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, CBD kind of blew up there and even down to like getting CBD for your dog, you know, mm-hmm. to help your dogs calm down and be less anxious. And um, when we moved into our new house, that was one of the things Jesse <laughs> said for our 14 year old dog of like, mm-hmm. we need to get our dogs some CBD. Yeah. So, um, but you know, so there is, I think there's always going to be that next big thing that people are going sure. to be looking for. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll always be kind of a step behind those next things as far yeah, as research. And those where, yeah. yeah. And knowing yeah. like what are some of the long-term effects of these, right. you know, whether we look at like Kratom, Delta, those kind of things, what mm-hmm. is that long-term and how does it really impact people? Right. And are those addicting? Mm-hmm. Do we know that they're addicting? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I think that's that piece to continue to look at. So um, with, like, Kratom, for instance, um, they're still doing a lot of research to look at that piece of it. Um, a lot of people that you'll talk to will say that they don't find that it is addic- as addictive as if they were using opiates or those kind of things, that it's more of a take or leave. It can help alleviate those things for them. Um, and it has been such a... One or the other, as I've talked with patients that have tried it, of either some really like it and it was fine, and others are like, that is the worst thing I've ever done. And mm-hmm. that they just really didn't like it as far as it made them really dizzy or made them sick mm-hmm. or those kind of pieces. And so um, I think until we have some ongoing research, and I know that there, especially with Kratom, there is some ongoing studies right now to look at, could Kratom potentially be used for um treatment of like chronic pain or for that opioid mm-hmm. withdrawal? Like, could it be something that has more regulation to it and can really be looked at as a help? Well, and that regulation is important because whether it's my take the edge off or whatever it might be, Kratom that you're buying or Delta, mm-hmm. none of this ashwagandha that you get from Target, mm-hmm. none of it is FDA regulated. Correct. And so if I'm buying mine from Target or Walmart or wherever, and I think I'm getting 200 mil, I don't even know what it comes in, 200 milligrams of ashwagandha. It could be 200, might be two, might be 2000, um, because it's just not regulated. Yep. And I think that is the biggest piece of it is looking at that regulation. Yeah. Um, Because even, you know, so if we look at Delta 8, for instance, so Delta 8 is another, so marijuana, like THC, Mm -hmm. that is a Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol. So there's your mouthful wow. for the day. Oh, I was going to okay. say, say that really yeah. fast. That was impressive. <laughs> and so Delta 9 is that main piece. So when we look at Delta 8, the biggest thing, so um, 
you know, the cannabis plant has a lot of different um, makeups to it. And so Delta 8 is just a derivative of that hemp plant. And so that's the loophole in a sense where people are like, it's legal because it's actually a derivative off of CBD and the hemp plant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, there's still just so much unknown and the regulation of it Mm -hmm. isn't quite there. Like you can, you know, get it at a gas station and what you might get at one gas station may be different than you get at a different gas station. And um, some of the studies that they have done, because it is, again, supposed to have less than... 0.3% 0.3% THC. Oh, it does and, not. And a lot of times it doesn't. Mm-mm. And no, I've had, I've had clients test dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Thinking that like, why, why is my P test coming back dirty? Mm-hmm. I have not had any marijuana. Yeah. I just do Delta eight. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you look at someone testing positive for a drug, not mm-hmm. dirty. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, yeah. Cause it's not a connotation of the person. The person themselves is right. not dirty. Right. But, yeah. And so thank being, you for that correction. Yes. Yeah, so being able to look at that, they had a positive drug test and, um, but it is true. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the people that have been using Delta 8 will test positive. Um, and so that piece of looking at, do you really know what you're using? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if there was better regulation, then you could know. Um, I mean, some of the studies they've done of looking at different testing, a bunch of them, that there wasn't consistency even within the same brand. Oh, uh, wow. What was in them. Um, and a lot of times Delta 8 is also then, put into like a vape form. Mm-hmm. And so you are also now having to add other, um, no different than nicotine in a sense, adding mm-hmm. more alt- like additives to this. And so what are you really ingesting at that point? Mm-hmm. Right. So why would somebody do Delta 8? What are the, what benefits would somebody get from it? Um, essentially it's a milder form okay. a lot of times than marijuana would be for okay. people. And so it can have that calming effect without okay. having maybe some of the anxiety or those kind of things, or even the, you know, stuck to the couch stoned that marijuana oh, may give them. Okay. Um, and so it just allows them to be more relaxed, maybe some pain relief, those kind of pieces, but still be able to function. Okay. So when people talk about Delta nine, they're really just talking about marijuana. Am I under- okay. Yeah. So, um, but, I didn't know that, but they're marketed as like, you can buy Delta nine as well. Correct. The other loophole? Yeah. The world of loopholes. <laughs> right. So, okay. Um, and I think we'll see. I mean, some states have definitely already made a lot more um, tighter regulations in regard mm-hmm. to that. Um, I think we're going to continue to see that evolve. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in a lot of states, they are trying to, especially states where marijuana is legal, they are trying to funnel a lot of that money into research. And so being able to research these things, so being able to research what capacity could something like Delta 8 be a beneficial piece and being able to figure out what those regulations should look like. Right. So, which I think is always a beneficial piece. So along those lines, what have you seen as far as, um, so in South Dakota, where we live, marijuana is still illegal, mm-hmm. um, except for medicinal, uh, where you have to have that, whatever. What have you seen as far as people coming from other states? Has that is it a thing or not a thing where they're like, well, I can do this in Colorado or whatever? Oh. Um, a lot of times. So, I mean, I primarily work with people on probation and parole. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people interstate compact here and transfer their probation or parole up into this area, there are times when they may have had a medical marijuana card mm. in or just use recreational in the right. states that they lived in. 
Um, and so sometimes that is that rude awakening for some people mm-hmm. of like, well, mm-hmm. you can't do that here. Right. Right. Um, and even just having that awareness for people that, you know, you may have a medical marijuana card from another state that does not mean that it is good here. Right. And so, um, I mean, most of the time people are pretty good about it, but, um, you know, if you have marijuana on you, even if you have a card mm-hmm. from another state, it doesn't mean that you can carry it here. Right. Oh, I know one of the things we're trying to really educate students coming from other states where it's mm-hmm. legal is what you get at your dispensary, dispensary in mm-hmm. your state can be vastly different than what you're going to buy from Joe Blow down the street in South Absolutely. Dakota. I mean, you can have some really awful mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah, some good ditch weed. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> or laced with God only knows what else. Correct. Yeah. Oh, um, and that's the part I think that is the scariest is that you don't know Mm-mm. what is in the marijuana or those kind of things that you are getting versus at a dispensary location. There's a little is. bit more regulation mm-hmm. and yep. yeah, because you can lace it with anything. I mean, I've heard it laced with, um, oh, what are they using? Embalming fluid. Formaldehyde? Yeah, Formaldehyde. I've yep, I've mm-hmm. heard that. Um, snow capping from back mm-hmm. in the day with uh, ground up Adderall, mm-hmm. uh, fentanyl, yep. meth, wow. cocaine. Yeah, oh. and so you think you're just mm-hmm. having a nice little little yeah. high, but not so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's the the THC wax, which can which mm-hmm. can kill you. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wax is a high concentrate um, of that THC. So, and a lot of times, I mean, in general. You, when it comes to marijuana, um, you're not seeing, you're not going to see like overdoses and you're not going to see right. those kind of things that at a hospital base that we would maybe from alcohol or opiates. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but I mean, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have harmful effects. Um, you know, especially in states where it was initially legalized, like poison control. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, we talked about this with alcohol. We would like to say that all parents are super responsible parents and do the best that they know how to do, but we know that's not reality. And so, you know, there's kids that are having access to gummies and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, they just look at it and think these are the gummy bears that right. I get to eat on any other day. And it's not, mm-hmm. and they're not, kids shouldn't be consuming that large amount. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a lot of times with edibles, for instance, like, a cookie, a lot of times the initial instructions on that cookie are like, eat a quarter, Yep. you know? And so now you have this I mean, kid. not that I know, but yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, this kid that takes down this entire cookie. Because it's a cookie. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, and they don't know any different. Um, or, you know, there was a kid that had brought a bag of suckers to school. I think he was a first grader. Oh, no. And, like, truly just trying to yeah. be, like, yeah. good kid of the week. Yeah. And oh. let's bring these suckers to my, like, fellow students. Meanwhile, so. mom is shitting her pants. She's like, <laughs> oh where's my, my bag of suckers? <laughs> oh, my God. But the school then really was looking at, like, do we suspend this kid? Yeah. What do we do? And it's like, this kid just was really trying to be like, hey, I'm going to make some friends today. Right. Yeah. Like, I brought these really cool Oh, he suckers. made friends. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the teachers. <laughs> no. Yeah, those things that you just don't mm-hmm. think about. Yeah. And so those safety pieces do need to be in play if you do have kids in your home. But I swear, one of the officers did say you can overdose mm-hmm. with the THC wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because some, it was probably Grace came home and said, did you know you can overdose on TH, you know, on marijuana? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. And then I asked around and they're like, oh, yeah, now you can. Yeah. And a lot it's of It's probably time, rare, but. Yeah. Or seizures or those kind of things can definitely happen. So, um, I mean, there's been 
when high doses of THC are taken, especially like edibles or those kind of things, um, there have been people who have had psychotic episodes because Mm. of it. And um, whether it's, you know, there was the case of a kid who um, partying, those kind of things, and had this huge psychotic break and ended up running through his, they were in a hotel, Yeah, ran through the glass door and over oh, the balcony no. kind of moment. And the only thing in his system at that point was THC. But again, that's he, that. Just marijuana. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just marijuana. Right. But being able to look at it and being able to, again, no different than alcohol, know your limits, know educate. what's kind of going on and educate yourself. Yeah. What I've seen with quite a few of my clients is they start taking marijuana because they want to take the edge off their anxiety mm-hmm. and it works really great. Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. they have a panic attack. Correct. Mm-hmm. It, it flips over mm-hmm. and they don't mm-hmm. know what happened or why it happened and that yeah. kind of thing. So, and, and why, did, why does that happen? What is it that flips that switch for them? I mean, I think it's no different than a lot of general medications. I mean, you could have like an antidepressant that you're on for an extended period of time. And all of a sudden, like that antidepressant no longer works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... But, I mean, one of the biggest side effects of marijuana, especially long-term use of marijuana, is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Which we're getting out of the states that mm -hmm. have been studying it for a while. absolutely. Um, And that increase, you know, a lot of times people will talk about using marijuana for sleep, for instance. Mm -hmm. But that prolonged use of it then Mm -hmm. can have that opposite effect of then having a lot of insomnia. So um, even something as simple as melatonin. They really tell you you should not take Mm -mm. melatonin every day for a long period of time. Like you should take breaks from those kind of things. So Mm -hmm. um, because it can then have that opposite effect for people. And I think too, like if your clients are, you know, from South Dakota and that's where they're getting it, like they don't have the medicinal Mm -hmm. card, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're getting. So they might've just really got some super shitty Mm -hmm. or as it's been, I'm not even lying. It has been explained to me. You have the strains that calm you down Mm -hmm. and you have the strains that energize you. Mm -hmm. And so you're not at a dispensary where you can pick. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. you might not know what you're getting. You know, your clients might not know what they got too. Yep. Yeah. Or just they're getting, yeah, again, a strain that might have a higher amount of THC than what they've sure. typically been smoking. And so it doesn't react as well with them. Mm-hmm. One of the things I see a ton of, and probably more when maybe my son was in high school, but that's when vaping mm-hmm. really became the mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so those kids that started doing it though that age, mm-hmm. that's it, man. They're locked in. Mm-hmm. That addiction to nicotine through mm-hmm. vaping. What are you seeing with that? And um, you know, is it obviously they're not just putting necessarily nicotine in the mm-hmm. vapes, right? You right. can do Delta Eight and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. But what are you seeing with vaping? Um, oh, I think vaping by far has definitely hit like this cool status in a sense. Um, we've seen a major increase. It's Vaping is another one that's really hard because a lot of studies didn't start looking at vaping until about 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, it's like we're behind the ball on it in mm-hmm. a sense. But um, we have, I mean, in general, it has become very appealing to kids um, and to youth, I should say, um, for a variety of reasons. One, the accessibility. So it is typically easy to get, even though you are supposed to be in South Dakota over mm-hmm. 21 to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is usually typically really easy to get. Um, it doesn't smell yeah. And so it's a lot easier to hide in a sense from mm-hmm. parents and those kind of things because you don't come home sm- reeking of cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. And um, then it's got wonderful, great flavors to it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's like, 
I have a couple clients that are always like, Jamie, guess what flavor I have this week? You know, <laughs> or I got a really nasty flavor. And so I have to suffer through this like mm-hmm. blueberry for the next, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, um, and even, you know, for a lot of them, it, in a sense, it is just easier to sneak. So you can, you know, puff on it and it's not going to make like this big, like smoke mm-hmm. or those kind of things necessarily. Um, and like, I even had, I've had clients that have like, I've walked into group rooms and they're using their vape and then they're like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, yeah, this is definitely a smoke free, uh, yeah. group room, but also hospital. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if you could put that one away. Yeah. Great. Um, but even on airplanes, you can't mm-hmm. vape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people definitely, I have seen people Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm so, sure. Because, again, they think they can get away because it's not going to have the smell that mm-hmm. typical nicotine is. Um, and a lot of times when we look at vaping was definitely marketed as, like, a safer alternative to using <laughs> traditional <laughs> cigarettes or, yeah. like, use vaping to help you quit smoking. Right. That's um, adorable. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. So, mm-hmm. and then I, I have had clients that have definitely quit traditional tobacco using vape products mm-hmm. and then eventually have gone off vape. Oh, good. In a sense, because you can pick your nicotine level. Oh, so, so you can kind of titrate have, yourself down. Yeah, so they have gradually brought themselves down. Um, but majority of the time, if I have clients that switch over to vape, they just keep using a vape. Mm-hmm. And um, the opposite is also true. You can get some um, vape juice that has also a lot higher concentrated nicotine than traditional cigarettes. Mm. Um, so it can kind of go either direction, but majority of them, the reason that they switch to it is the smell. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it and price point for a long time. And I think it's probably still true. Um, getting vaping products was cheaper than buying cigarettes. Cigarettes are expensive. Mm -hmm. Holy moly. And so, um, they switched over to that. And again, it just depends on what vapes they buy because some people will spend, you know, 40 to $60 on a vape because it's really cool looking. Yeah. And lights up or does fancy things. But, <laughs> um, but you know, there was definitely a stretch, I think, in the news for a while where you just saw like it's going to crystallize people's lungs and it was going to do all these yeah, things. Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear popcorn lung when yes. I hear people vaping. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of that has come because typically people are either making some modification to their vape Mm. um, and or when they are using it for marijuana. Okay. Um, And so a lot of times there has to be different binding agents in order to do that. And those binding agents are what then causes like the thickener essentially um, and goes into the lungs. But anytime you are smoking anything, Mm -hmm. you are going to do damage to your lungs. Mm -hmm. And so it's no different than when you even look at studies of people who live in um, like cities that have a lot of pollution Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the amount of pollution and things that it's doing to just everyday breathing into their lungs. Mm -hmm. Um, Like even when my brother lived in Shanghai, there would be days that they would be, they would have to wear respirator masks or kids couldn't go outside for recess because of the smog was too thick that day. Oh, Mm. that's sad. I know. And then I was like, and I'm going to breathe this wonderful, fresh South Dakota air. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But it was true. Like they were advised not to go outside because of the pollutants in the air. So, I mean, anytime you're ingesting those types of things, you are running that risk. Yeah. Regardless, even with vaping, there's still nicotine. Mm-hmm. And nicotine right. is the substance that is causing the issues of, you know, heart disease or, um, you know, asthma issues, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, um, whether you're vaping or using general tobacco products. Yeah. So if we could give our listeners 
one or two takeaways? What would you hope they could take away from this? Um, you know, what I tell people in general is educate yourself early and educate mm-hmm. yourself often, especially as a parent. Okay. Um, stuff is changing all the time. And so don't be afraid to look things up. Or if your kid comes home and says something that you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about, ask mm-hmm. and just say, you know, hey, what does that mean? Or what are you talking about? Or after they go to bed, do a nice Google search and try mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, but um, you have to really stay on top of things um, and really know kind of what's going on. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. And so whether that is for yourself or for others mm-hmm. of being able to reach out. And I think, you know, more so when it comes to drugs, I think people are, have that stigma moment of, well, I don't want people to know that that's going on in my family. It may yeah. be acceptable that my husband, you know, is a drunk, but, um, you know, if drugs are going on, that might right. be. And that, you know, it can happen to anybody and any family and those kind of things. And the earlier that you can intervene and get your family member help, um, the easier that it may be for them. So if I have a question, you know, maybe my kid comes home with something or maybe I find something in my partner's, mm-hmm. um, would you say it would be okay to call like a Vera Addiction Care Center or its equivalent in my community yep. and say, hey, I don't know what this is? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, or, you know, even within the schools, like contacting school resource officers and okay. being able to have those conversations with them of, hey, this is happening and I just really don't know. Um, that's part of their job in a sense too. Um, and we even have staff, um, within our schools from our office doing prevention and those kind of things. And so, you know, we can even get parents connected with them, um, to have those ongoing conversations, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you can definitely, I'd encourage people to call and find out. Yeah. The school resource officer is a good one. And when we had the school resource officers on here for an episode, um, I hope what listeners got is if you did that, they weren't Mm going to be like, Oh, I'm going to nail Johnny to the wall later. You know, it's like, okay, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Keep an eye out. I will educate you. I will help your kid in any way I can, but not punitive. Absolutely. If they don't have to. What I get in therapy a lot of the time is like my, let's say my husband is using and I want to do an intervention. How do I do that? Oh, yeah. Or what Good if question. I need to get my, my partner into to treatment mm-hmm. because they're not functioning, because mm-hmm. they are not bathing anymore. They're not eating. Yep. They literally are not getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. What do people do in that situation? What do you recommend? Um... I always recommend that you still, you know, contact your local treatment center and start that work with them. Um, But kind of depending on where you live, but within South Dakota, um, if it gets to that point and the person isn't wanting to go on their own, um, you can do an involuntary commitment on somebody through the judicial system. Um, It's not that it's going to put any type of like legal charges on that person, Mm -mm. Um, but it's basically a 90 day hold on that person where they would have to follow through with the recommendations of any type of treatment. And they do go before a judge and um, our judges here, at least in Brown County, do a phenomenal Mm -hmm. job with it. And really um, even talking and just having those, you know, general conversations with the person of like, your family did this because they're really concerned about you. Mm -hmm. They didn't do it like out of spite or those kind of things. They did it because they want to see you continue to be around. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they can file those involuntary commitments through the courthouse. um, And then from there, it's, you know, given to the treatment center to then work with that person and figure out what is the best fit for that person. Mm -hmm. So is it 
an inpatient setting, whether here or, you know, somewhere else in the state mm-hmm. that can best meet their needs. Um, and, you know, as always, we tell people that, you know, finances shouldn't be the reason that you don't get help. So mm-hmm. there is state funding and there's other options for people um, so that they can get that help. Because a lot of times yeah. people are like, well, we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or we don't have health insurance. And so knowing that there is um, systems in place to help people with those um, pieces of it. And a lot of times, you know, depending on the funding that they're getting, they may not have to pay anything for treatment because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we want the person to get help. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception when you say like involuntary commitment, mm-hmm. the person is in danger of hurting themselves or others. Right. You don't necessarily think about the fact that if somebody is not functioning, mm-hmm. Right. They're not eating, mm-hmm. they're not working, they're yes. not doing anything. Mm-hmm. That is, you are Correct. in danger right. yourself. Correct. And I don't know how it is in all states, but South Dakota actually has the two forms of involuntary committal. Mm-hmm. You have the mental health one where you are a danger to yourself or others. Um, yep. And then you have the substance abuse one, which mm-hmm. basically, I'm going to dumb it down as yep. I understand it, but basically mm-hmm. says you are unable to take care of basic needs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really being able to look at, like, so when I do an assessment on somebody for an involuntary commitment, I have to fill out that paperwork of saying, is this person, you know, do they have addiction issues Mm -hmm. um, that is creating a barrier within their life? Right. Now, Fran mentioned interventions, and thank you for doing that, because I have had that question. We want to do an intervention, Becky. How do we do it? Mm -hmm. So what's your thoughts on interventions? Um, Yeah, just what are your thoughts on it? How could somebody go about it? Um, we don't typically do, like, if you think of the show, that's, that's what everybody wants to do. So, um, you know, that is not something that at least within our agency that we typically do. A lot of times we encourage families that they can come in and we can have those conversations with the family and try to figure out what is the best way to approach this person. Or, um, you know, I've gotten phone calls at times from people of just saying, could I just bring my brother, sister, significant other, and just have a conversation with you. Yeah, let's start there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes just having that general conversation is enough for that person to say, okay, I'll start with the evaluation just to see kind of what's going on and, you know, what a person's recommendation for treatment and those Mm -hmm. kind of things would be. Um, But like the true show intervention, we Mm -hmm. really don't in this community have anybody that... You don't have the camera crew and all that. (laughs) It's really disappointing. Here's what I do. I always tell them to reach out to you guys. (laughs) And so in your community, reach out to your treatment center. Um, Just because I don't feel as a mental health therapist, I have the necessary qualifications to even say, well, let me sit in on it, you know? Um, And I definitely think if they are hell-bent on Mm -hmm. doing one, you need Mm -hmm. a professional present Correct. in my yeah. opinion yeah yeah and we definitely um you know we try to just get that person to like come in and right. with us, those kind of things versus because a lot of times i don't know in my personal opinion interventions aren't always the way to go and don't always no. work well for people and sometimes people just want to air their grievances mm-hmm. and that's not helpful correct that's yes. why we have festivus yes. so <laughs> Sorry, I had to end it on a light note. I just had to. Oh, my God. All right, so if you're a parent and you want your teenager, you're afraid your teenager is addicted. Same thing, they would call Avera. Yep. And then what would typically be the next step on your part? Um, So, you know, within Aberdeen, whether it's calling us or they can also contact Northeastern Mental Health, they also do um, CD stuff. So we're talking your local treatment center or your local Mm -hmm. community mental health agency. Correct, yep. 
Um, and, you know, no matter what, we're going to look at having that initial, what we consider a treatment needs assessment on, um, no matter the age, of really being able to look at what is that substance use that's going on um, and being able to get those collaterals also because I may do my treatment needs assessment on Becky, but she comes in and she is not the most honest with me. And so, you know, but she put down Brody. And so Brody's like, oh, let me give you all the information Mm -hmm. that Becky did not tell you. So um, being able to, you know, get those pieces and put kind of that puzzle together to then figure out what is going to be that best option. Um, And there is different treatment options available for adolescents too, whether Mm -hmm. it is just some early intervention. And so maybe it is that they have just been doing some of that early experimenting. Mm -hmm. And so getting them connected, you know, with one of our um, prevention staff, or maybe that experimenting is going on because of their mental health. And Mm -hmm. so getting them connected with a proper mental health therapist um, to really work on that end of things. Um, Or there is outpatient treatment for them, or we do have some inpatient treatment centers for adolescents within the state. So lots of options. And I'm Mm -hmm. guessing most states will have similar options. Jamie, thank you again. Thanks so much. You are just so knowledgeable and so eloquent, which is why we're always bugging you. That is okay. I'm very okay. We love to have you. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, you guys, we are the shrinks. And that's a wrap.